It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Great to have you in on a Wednesday. It's Hale Bar City. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and you. 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Dial up if you want. Can find and watch the show on the stream. Hale Bar City YouTube channel. Hale Bar City Radio. Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. We'll get into Husker baseball. We'll dive into Matt Rule's appearance on Husker Sports Network last night. We'll check in with Mike Babcock, and we'll also uh, hear from Evan Bland. But the the national news and the news that hits home to a lot of football fans today happened in Kansas City at the end of the Chiefs celebration, the parade. There was a shooting that occurred at the parade. You've heard this. You've seen this on national news. We'll have some updates and info for you on what went down but just a, a horrific situation this is from nbc news and uh, 10 people shot near the kansas city chiefs victory parade route one killed three in critical condition five in serious condition one non-life-threatening injury and on twitter elijah there's different video postings you had a couple of heroic Chief fans that were able to subdue one of the suspected shooters, tackle him, and lay on top of him till law enforcement got there. And you had law enforcement as this kind of giant sky cam that I saw on social media was filming the event, panned to the right, and you had law enforcement uh, had an, another suspect in custody with several officers there uh, around the situation, but just absolutely brutal. Uh, we'll hear from Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves in uh, her update about eight minutes ago. As many as 15 people uh, may have been injured in the wake of the shooting at the end of the chief celebration. I was kind of following along with it. Patrick Mahomes spoke. Uh, Travis Kelsey was up there uh, doing a, a tribute to Toby Keith, uh, changing some words. Uh, excuse me, not Toby Keith, but um, uh, Garth Brooks. Uh, and, you know, it, it was all fun and games. And then uh, shots rang out. People have been injured. One person is dead. And just a insane situation scary situation in kansas city you you know chiefs fans i know chiefs fans some of you went to this before uh in kansas city maybe you have friends or loved ones down there now it's gonna be 62 degrees uh i have a dear friend that took his little guy uh after their first championship 
Uh, and, and Elijah, you've had, maybe you went, I don't know. Tell me, did you go to the Denver celebration with Peyton Manning? No, no, no. I okay. Was, I, was, I was unable to. I haven't made it to a championship parade yet. Um, generally, they're supposed to be fun and, and joyful. Today's turned to tragedy, and uh, your, your heart's with everybody who was a- affected in this situation, whether or not uh, they, were, they were struck by any bullets, whether or not they witnessed anything. Your just heart is with the, the people of Kansas City. For what you say, it's, it's a traumatizing event in what should otherwise be a, a joyful day. Uh, you hope the, the suspects uh, are apprehended, if not already. Um, and you hope that the, the full weight of laws is thrown at them for just some horrific actions today. As you said, it sounds like the, the count of people who were injured in this shooting is kind of rising by the minute as more and more people make it to the hospital. That number is somewhere between 10 and 15 right now. Uh, tragically, one has passed away, and it's just, just a, a horrible, horrible situation on a day that should be just beautiful for the city of Kansas City. I mean, school was out for kids. They were able to make it over to the parade. It's a uh, a celebration for the entire city following what they did on Sunday and how quickly celebration turns to tragedy because of a, a couple people that want to go and ruin everything and, and, and inflict pain upon the world. That's just sad, horrible, and, and we we are thinking of everybody that was at the parade, everywhere in the Kansas City through a, a horrific event. Retweeting uh, on at Schmidt underscore radio uh, a section of footage where one of the suspects tackled. So pretty uh, pretty gruesome event. Uh, and one video I saw had a bunch of people, fans helping fans. One person was getting life-saving measures by by a prayed goer. No doubt a off-duty first responder or somebody that just knows CPR to try and save their fellow man. And there's just, not to be too graphic or disgusting, but just pools of blood in some of those regions. I know the uh, uh, press conference is ongoing right now with the uh, the police chief. I'm going to try and pot that up and in a little bit off my phone here. Myself was outside when I heard the shots fired. It is an ongoing investigation. It's going to take us a little bit to determine exactly what led up to the shooting. I will say, though, we do have two suspects in custody right now. Okay, that was a clip from the chief. We'll have more from her, but we'll get to roll call in, in just a moment. But, I mean, think of the, the, the celebration you've had uh, with uh, being a Nebraska fan. And just, I remember going with my family and it wasn't an outdoor thing, but it was a bunch of us gathered around till the Devaney Center opened up to celebrate Nebraska's first national championship in uh, 22 years, as Coach Osborne so aptly put, <laughs> thanking the fan base for being patient for 22 years and his dry sense of humor. And it was just joyous. It was 30 years ago, so it wasn't in anyone's thought about what what bad could happen today <laughs> and and I laugh just nervously because you see more and more of these incidents around the country and it's sad and it's it's just pathetic uh, Mike checks in uh, as we do roll call uh, we shout out our first five in the stream Brandon is there uh, you have the K, the artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life, Andrew White's there, Brennan's checked in, Matthew, and uh, Roger as well. Uh, Chuck also says, what's up? Jeff is in. Uh, Brandon reiterates the KC shooting is 
is absolutely crazy. And uh, Brandon's comment, uh, another day where stupidity is shown up again. And uh, you just don't know anything else but to hug your loved ones, right, uh, with, with moments like this. It, it keeps on happening in this country. Uh, so this is... It just uh, keeps on happening. Sorry. I, I, I'm not going to go on a, any sort of rant here. It's a sports talk mm-hmm. show. We're going to get back to, to sports this and, is, and this happier is, this topics. This is live. Yeah, this is it, This is an intersection of sports and a lot of issues that we've seen recently in our country. And that's why sure. I think we're, we're taking a moment for this. It's just mind-blowing that this continues happening on events that are supposed to be happy and events where people are supposed to get together and, and celebrate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's sad. It's disheartening. And... Uh, Makes it really tough to want to do a sports talk show and talk about what seems to be a, a side note whenever we're, we got life and death issues going on. Sure. This is Police Chief Graves. Some of her uh, initial comments. Officers responded to the area, took two people into custody, and also immediately rendered life-sustaining aid to those victims. The people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment. She's not wrong, and you're outnumbered. <laughs> you can have as many law enforcement uh, and, and security measures in place short of metal detector and patting everybody down. And more info will come out on the suspects probably in the next 10 to 12 hours. Uh, we'll, during the break, uh, see if there's any new news updates. Uh, you have a couple of different responses this is a witness that was in the realm of where the shooting took place um you have a witness here and then you have a parade goer that also kind of described the situation we'll start with witness two all of a sudden people started crushing forward everybody started running there was screaming we didn't know what was happening but this day and age when people run you run and so i put my arms around her and we tried to push through so people wouldn't run on top of us and there was a woman crying saying something about somebody had been shot Uh, more from this woman with her with her little girl all of a sudden, people started crushing forward. Everybody started running. There was screaming. We didn't know what was happening, but this day and age when people run, you run. And so I put my... So we ran into a hallway, and a janitor said, come into this area. We went where an elevator was. We shut the doors and sat back against the doors, and we prayed, and there was yelling. And I didn't know if it was safe to leave, or, or so we tried to block the doors, and then we heard the elevator start to move. So we opened the doors and ran out, and we went through a side door, and there were officers. I've never been so glad to see an officer in my life and this was a parade goer who thought it might have been fireworks well it is kansas city we love our city but we understand things happen and um it's kind of hard to control a crowd without crowd control so it's something like that is to happen or not necessarily expected to happen but it's a possibility so yeah you never know We heard gunshots, but we thought they were fireworks, so half of us didn't really respond um, to it. But after, we did realize that a shooting took place, which was quite shocking. So that's the the sound from the scene, okay? You heard the police chief, you heard some parade goers, and you have folks that have lost their life. You have folks that are fighting for their life right now, and... Um, we were talking with, with Mitch Sherman on the, the Average Joe podcast, KG Kids for Life, uh, chimes in. 
you know, Mitch was talking about taking his, you know, Chiefs fan daughter to uh, to the parade. That he what they weren't going, but point is, is folks from from Nebraska, Omaha, Lincoln, Central Nebraska, wherever, there's Chiefs fans around here. It's it's your closest NFL franchise between that and Denver and, and Minnesota. Those are your kind of triangle favorites of, of the region. And and folks go down all the time. I mean, I've got a buddy who's got season tickets. And once in a while, you dirty season tickets and you go down to Kansas City. I, I just took Junior down there two, two Decembers ago. We snuck it and it didn't sneak in. I bought the seats, but we went to the lower bowl. And before, it was against the Raiders. It's the return of Will Compton. And everyone's out there partying and have a good time in four-degree weather. 62 degrees and a couple of suspects uh, open fire. Mm-hmm. People are bleeding. They're dead. It's, it's god-awful, and it makes you pump the brakes on the, the world of safety. You don't want to live in fear, but, man, you're scared after an event like this. Yeah, and, and as you kind of said, knowing people there, we, we had a couple coworkers with her death there. They're all safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the kind of the, the place your mind goes now is you await more information was this a targeted shooting? Were there, there, there people that were being targeted? Was this a, a random act of uh, attempted mass violence? All these are, are questions that remain to be seen. But yeah, as you said, it's, it's, it's just sad in this country that you can't go to a joyous event and not fear for your life because that's the point we're at. Well, two armed people were detained by the Kansas City Police Department. Uh, that the statement, it's not immediately clear. Uh, how many people were injured, multiple victims. You just heard from the, the police chief, 10 to 15. This is Pierre Thomas from ABC on the National Scope and uh, talks about the, the, the terror element or question mark with a shooting like this. There is no information so far coming from the scene suggesting terrorism or some kind of uh, political act that it may, again, may early in the investigation appear to be something criminal. Typically, in a situation like this, you will have law enforcement at the federal level get a quick sense if there's anything suggesting terrorism or some kind of political event. Uh, Obviously, the source said they're just very concerned that guns are so ubiquitous. So... There's um, there's there's Pierre Thomas. Uh, you have some stats that, that are out here from The New York Times. Gun violence has been falling in some parts of the country. Kansas City saw a record number of homicides in 2023. There were 183 murders last year, and uh, that's more than uh, the previous 179 in 2020. So uh, and you heard the the, the the parade goers say, hey, we know it's Kansas City, so it's not always going to be uh, ice cream and lollipops. It, I mean that that was her tone. Yeah, it's just it's a sad, sad reality to live in, right? It is. We'll uh, we'll we'll check in with uh, Mike Babcock here from Herdat Sports and Hale Varsity uh, in a moment. Get his thoughts on the world, things, football, and take more of your comments. Do you know anybody that went? And uh, David uh, checks in. He grew up in Gladstone. That's a suburb of. Kansas City, and he said today sucks, and it wasn't supposed to be. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be that way. It's never supposed to be. And when you're celebrating your team, man, uh, everybody has uh, one like-minded goal. You go cheer for the the fellas that brought home a title for you, and uh, in in dramatic overtime fashion. And uh, we'll hopefully know more about the suspects, what happened, and I want to know about the the two dudes that. Uh, that tackled this guy, one of the guys, and and wrestled him down and kept him subdued, kept him detained, 
until law enforcement got there because you just saw this massive humanity in red and gold running once shots rang out. And then two guys spotted one of the suspects presumably racing through and weaving through people. And they caught up and tackled and stayed on. And I don't want to sound like I'm making light of a horrible situation. I'm being real. And it might sound kind of funny when it comes out, but you hope that guy is actually a suspect. Like, be the worst day ever if you get tackled in a parade and you're not actually a suspect. If it is a heroic action, man, I want to know those guys' names. Sure. I want to know their story. Uh, I want to know how that situation came to be and, and, and hear their side of the story. But again, still early in this process. We don't know a lot of information. A lot of what we're hearing is coming from social media, and maybe it comes out being true. Maybe we'll uh, we'll learn more as time goes on. But horrible, horrible situation in Kansas City today. Hail Varsity continues on a Wednesday, powered by Cornhead Lager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mike Babcock, Mr. Husker Football, and with Herd at Sports and Hale Varsity can be part of Mike's newsletter at Mike B at Herd at Sports.com. Mike, we started off with just the, 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 the chilling situation in Kansas City, the victory parade, and you uh, have family and loved ones in Kansas City, Mike, and uh, it looks like you, I'm just seeing your text. You, your grandkids went. Are, are you okay? Is the family doing okay? Yeah, we're doing okay. They, uh, Grandkids went. In fact, uh, Chad, my son, said that uh, they were up most of the night because Gus wanted to get there early, so they got there at 5 o'clock this morning. Mm. Um, they were at the parade, but they didn't go to the rally. Okay. Uh, at the, uh, they went to get something to eat instead, and so they saw it on TV. Um, so, I, you know, I was concerned initially, but then I texted Chad, and he responded to me and, and – uh, said that they were fine, that they hadn't been at the, actually at the rally at the at Union Station. So uh, I was able to relax there. But uh, yeah, that's a, it, it, it's a tragic thing. And it, you know, it just, uh, it's just become so commonplace in this country that uh, I don't know what the answer is. I, you know, obviously nobody does. Mm. Mike, how... How, how's your son and grandkids feeling? I mean, obviously they they went, they cheered for their team during the parade. They got to celebrate and soak in the Super Bowl moment, and and then there's the rally part that we're discussing with the the 
loss of life and, and others fighting for it right now, are they jarred? Are they angry? Are they shocked? I mean, what's what's the, the feeling from your your loved ones? My, my sense is, because I talked to Chad uh, briefly on mm-hmm. the phone, um, my sense is that it's just shock, you know, that uh, um, you don't, obviously you don't expect anything like that. And when when your kids are like 10 and seven or, you know, whatever, um, that are there, I, you know, I don't know how they, how they process that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, maybe since they were at the, at the, uh, cafe or restaurant or whatever, um, eating and saw it all on TV, maybe it's a little bit more distant, you know, um, when you see it on TV, it doesn't have, the impact that it does if you're in the midst of that crowd and you start to run or you don't know what to do, you know, um, I think that's, uh, again, I feel for me, that's a positive that they were, they were somewhere else seeing it on television uh, rather than actually being in the midst of, of the panic that, that followed when people realized that it was gunshots. And, and I'm, and I'm like you guys, I, if, if that was indeed a suspect that was tackled by those, by those, uh, chiefs fans, I, you know, what a, what a tremendous, uh, effort on their part. I, you know, that's just remarkable that they would do that because I think the majority of fans in watching the newscast, the majority of people were, you know, there was some question about whether all the injured people were injured as a result of gunfire or whether they were injured as a result of the mass trying to get out of the there. stampede the panic yes stampede um and so they were still sorting that out uh, on on the newscast that i watched well, well we talk about the those heroes taking down the alleged gunmen there's always a, a mr rogers quote and i grew up with mr rogers and it always sticks with me during this time. During, during times of tragedy, always look for the helpers because there's always going to be people in times of tragedy that they're helping. You talk about those heroes. Another story coming out from Albert Breer here that multiple Chiefs players came out and, and assisted kids that were uh, separated from their parents or otherwise panicked by this situation. Uh, Trey Smith even went up to a kid and, and gave this kid the WWE title belt that the Chiefs players were, were carrying through the parade, put it on him, and sat with him until he was able to calm down and find his parents. That's just an incredible story from professional athletes that you'd be, think would be thinking of their own well-being during this time. No, they're going up to the kids, and they're helping out the kids that just made it through an absolutely tragic situation. And, and I think that's the, the silver line you can try to find in moments like these, the heroes that take down an alleged shooter, or these Chiefs players that... Um, go out there and, and help the kids who are panicked in this situation. It's it's horrible, but there's always stories of hope that come from from awful situations like this. Respond that quickly because you know just minutes earlier you're celebrating your third uh, championship in in the last five years, and uh, and then you have to transition into a um, hey we we need to try to take care of these these kids that have been separated from their parents or you know, whatever, it, whatever it might be, because, you know, there, there was all this excitement with the parade. Like Chad said that, uh, you know, Gus was like, they were in the front row because they got there so early. And he said that the players were like right within face of him mm. as they went by. And, you know, how exciting that is. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, minutes later, you hear gunshots and you're trying to you're trying to process that. I, I, you know, I think that it's it's great that the, they responded in that way. Well, Mike, we'll we'll get to some. And it's weird to even go here with this, but we'll get to some Nebraska baseball in a moment. But uh, just last thought on, on right now, Mike, and thanks for sharing your information with your family and, and your loved ones, your son, your grandkids. So thankful they're safe and so thankful that you've had a chance to communicate uh, with them and things are okay on your end. But there was 800 law enforcement there. What did the... What did the the, the prayed number tally. I mean, most of these things hit around a million, half a million to a million. And uh, I don't know that, I don't know the, the exact, if I, if I hear 800 officers and law enforcement folks are on site, you know, how, how big is the police department? Is that one-tenth? Is that, you know, what, what's, the, what's the ratio? And I'm not blaming, I'm just, I'm just asking because, you know, you don't want a victory parade to turn into a place where it's time to frisk. It's time to uh, get the rubber glove treatment and get the uh, the metal detector. But this is going to, you know, KC goes three in a row. They're going to do another parade for sure, you'd think. I hope they do another rally. They don't live in fear. But you don't want, you don't want this day ruining it moving forward for for fans and, and little kids that want to see their heroes. Yeah, you, well, you have 800, and that, that included FBI. The FBI was involved as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, There was just 800 officers at the rally to help with control. Yeah, and, and, and that, the news accounts that I saw, you probably saw the same thing, said there were about a million people there. That's what they thought. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, how, do you, how do you have enough to control million people you know and especially in a in a situation where you've had the mindset you've had a couple of these uh, already um these kind of celebrations and everything went fine you know and i think you do have that m- mindset of you know well it's not going to happen to us no you're not even you're not even thinking about it as you're no. showing up at midnight to camp out <laughs> yeah no you're not you're not thinking about it um and and yet, there it is. I mean, at Union Station, I mean, that's a that's definitely a landmark in Kansas City. You know, you've probably been there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very notable place. And I don't think that people that go there think, hey, this could be a potential uh, place where somebody could get killed. Mm. Um, Mike, we're close to Friday for Nebraska baseball before we get you out. And I know Coach Bolt talked uh, this week and a uh, different look on the rotation. Um, how you you feeling about Big Red baseball? What do you think about the preseason? Uh, what did we decide, Elijah, fifth? Fifth. Fifth. They're, they're slotted fifth in the Big Ten preseason. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to say. Nebraska has some young guys and some new guys that are going to fit into roles. Um, I thought it was interesting, you know, that Coach Bolt talked about uh, Timmerman, this this uh, pitcher from Beatrice. Yeah, I got an umpire uh, for him. Pitcher um, sounds like they want him to be a reliever right now, and I think because he's young or whatever, he has the potential to be a starter. I think, but 
um, the kind of praise that he drew from Coach Bolt, um, that that was a surprise to me. You know that the, that you'd get a freshman pitcher in there and you would get that much attention uh, right away. And I think they've got a, a new guy that's going to be the closer um, starting off, and they've got uh, a couple of left-handed hitters at first base, new guys. Um, it, I, I just think it's difficult to say where this team is going to fit in the Big Ten, but it's like it's like everything else, I guess. Um, there's there's a basis for optimism. You can look at it and see where the optimism could be, and uh, you know. You, but then you look at it and say, well, there's no Max Anderson, there's no Bryce uh, Matthews. Those two guys combined for 41 home runs last season and uh, 137 runs batted in, I think, between them. Uh, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty, pretty big set of numbers to replace. They're really talented guys. But, uh, you know, Coach Bolt said, you don't do it with two guys. You don't say these two guys are going to step up and fill those roles. You do it as a team. And, uh, you know, he feels good about what they've got there. And, I, you know, they, I think they have some depth. And they have the ability to put left-handed hitters in the lineup, which he said is always a good thing. You know, that that's, um, you know, to have some left-handed batters mixed in puts more pressure on the opposing pitcher. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic based on what he said. I think there's reason for that. If that means fifth in the Big Ten, um, so be it. But I, you know, I think that uh, it's really difficult to say at this point where Nebraska is going to finish. A quick aside on, on, on Timmerman. Bolt mentioned him. I got an umpire for him in a district baseball game against Ashland Greenwood his junior year. And quickly, let's run you through his stats. He was had a .40 ERA his junior year. That's good. Uh, a .69 ERA his senior year. Uh, he's the career record holder for ERA at Beatrice. Hit 515 at the plate. And in that district game against Ashland Greenwood, he gave up one unearned run and got himself the win across six innings of work. Uh, that dude is legit. He didn't have overpowering stuff, but he could just hit his spots. And if, if Coach Bolt's talking positively, I believe him because he impressed the hell out of me as a junior in that district baseball game. Big time talent. Babbers, uh, hugs to you and your family. Thanks again for your time today, bud. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. There he is, Mike Babcock, with us from Hale Varsity. Uh, we'll take some more of your comments here on the Stream Hale Varsity YouTube channel. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Open phones for you here till 5. Evan Bland with us here in about 25 minutes. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbold's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. More of your comments we'll get to in the stream. Hale Varsity YouTube channel can also send us a tweet. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. So uh, on my mind is a, is a friend and a family friend that lives in Kansas City that I, I try and get to uh, the Chiefs games with 
from time to time. Last time I was at Chiefs games, I told you I took took Junior down with our friend Jay Bird and a couple of, you know, Carson and his buddies went and we got to watch uh, Will Compton's return to the NFL, but more so it was going to be a, a nice December, late December day. The price was right. We went lower bowl. And uh, this was two years ago. Last time, uh, last NFL game I went to with my dad, I referenced my late father a lot. Uh, I just loved football with him growing up. And he uh, he and I got to go see Kansas City and, and Cincinnati. It was Zach Taylor's first game. It was preseason. But as a Chiefs affiliate here locally in Lincoln on KFOR, you know, they hooked us up and it was it was just awesome. And uh, I was texting uh, Husker Chad. You remember Husker Chad from Big Red of the Rockies out in Estes. Oh, of course. Right. Of course. Uh, Chad Novotny. Love him. Uh, a lot of fun with him uh, watching and being a part of Nebraska football. He's a.k.a. Husker Chad. And he was there. And he is safe. He is okay. Uh, just getting some correspondence with him. He's he's like, look, man, I I've felt completely safe going to these. I've been to all three parades. And as uh, by far one of the, the biggest and, and most exciting because it's going to be 65 and sunny down there. And, uh, you know, Chad's take on it is, you know, you just, you don't want a situation to joy ruined by, allegedly ruined by two idiots, alleged suspects. And, and that's it. And, and I know, Maybe some of you are wore out on this, but it, is, it has been breaking news. I mean, stuff came out. Patrick Mahomes' tweet went out at 3.08, praying for Kansas City. To your point, Elijah, all the players that came out after things had calmed down, thanks to, to Chiefs fans, we presume, uh, that, that tackled one of the suspects and law enforcement got the other and then came in on this, this second suspect and order was restored. But the point is, you have one dead. Mm-hmm. You have five in in... in critical condition you have 10 to 15 that could lose their life or a limb one did uh lose their life and, and i want to make one note of something you call these people idiots let's call a spade a spade these are evil people that's what that, they that, are that's Come, under the that's idiot falls under yes, the evil and, and i understand what you're saying i'm not i'm not trying to call not, you out by not, any means you're not you're not Right, you're not uh, you're not necessarily evil if you're an idiot, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, I can't I, say what I want. Yes, and I, that's why I, I just wanted to come in. What and I mean by want, give my take is yes. Is, is you don't swear have to away. elaborate. You don't have to elaborate. <laughs> we know what you mean. These are evil people, though. Coming to a parade and looking to to cause terror, looking to to shoot it up, looking to kill people. Evil, evil people. And there's evil people everywhere. Whether it's Kansas City, for Lincoln, Omaha, they're everywhere. Um, just horrible that they had to come out and, and ruin an otherwise beautiful day in Kansas City today. That's I don't know what else to say at this point. Um, just because... Brennan these, echoes these, your thoughts. These, Black Hills Brennan. These events just keep on happening, but Brennan chimes in and says, it's a shame there's evil people in the world. Sports events and celebrations are supposed mm. to be a safe and uniting event. Just sad. Now, I'll add to that. It's the, the cathartic nature of sports. It's supposed to get you away from the evil of the world, the sadness in the world. That's why we have a sports talk radio show because people can tune in and you know what? You don't have to think about the stress of your job or the stress at your home life. You can just think about sports for a couple of hours and, and, and uh, that's the beauty of sports in the world. It's one of the things I love so much mm-hmm. about sports is that it allows you to, to step away from the otherwise brutal parts of life 
and enjoy a three-hour sporty event, a two-hour basketball game, a two-hour radio show where the we talk about it. stress turns towards you rooting for your team, and did they win or they lose? Yes. It, it's not it, life or death. Exactly. Exactly. It's, sports is supposed to get you away from the life or death issues, and it's, it's disheartening to see life or death issues get brought into sports by a couple of evil people. You know, we, we need some cheer. We need some good mood. And, you know, crew... Says he's first. At 4.37 p.m. Uh-huh. And, and just so we're clear, Crew is in uh, Cabo. <laughs> crew is checking in from Cabo. Can't miss my boys. I got to buy Crew a beer. I haven't. I miss Crew. Crew checking in Cabo on Valentine's Day. I don't well, think Crew's got a girl. That's interesting. No. <laughs> it's an interesting destination to go. Crew, crew, crew could have three tonight. <laughs> uh, so you're telling me Crew didn't take a girl? I don't know. Crew, are you listening? Who are you there with, Crew? Please. Cora, crew has gone dark. <laughs> what are you listening to? Well, what we, I, I know for a fact Crew was at the, the Waste Management over the weekend, and now he's in Cabo three I'm days later. I'm proud of him for Crew's, surviving Waste Management. Crew's body is going to hate him in a couple of days, most likely. Uh-huh. Well, let's just keep this Crew car. Can he do a, a, a video hit? I mean, poolside in Cabo? Do we want that? Well, <laughs> that's another question. <laughs> I assume he's in a resort. Probably. No. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe never, maybe never, he went to the waste management open and woke and up in woke Cabo up three in Cabo. days later. <laughs> yeah, right. That 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 would work. Um, you never know what I'm getting into. And this is lethal shooter crew. This is uh, well, that's probably a bad phrase to use on a day like today. Apologies. Um, that's a really bad phrase to use. You, you I, yeah, I did not referencing think his basketball. I'm referencing Bo Reed. Bo Reed calling yes, him yes. the best shooter he's ever seen. That it's was just, horrible today. I apologize. Yeah, let's let's change the topic. That yeah. that came out wrong. It did. It did. Uh, but it was not uh, meant. Not intentional anusly. by any means. I do apologize. No. So uh, we'll uh, dive into some Husker baseball coming up with Evan Bland. Great preview. For Evan in the Omaha World Herald, he worked hard on that. Uh, pretty interested. We'll dive into a little bit more from from Matt Rule in his appearance on the network. Really, pretty cool how uh, Matt Rule is all he he not only talks it but he walks it, and we know that by now. But just how encouraging he has been for Tony White. I mean, Nebraska really had. Probably closer calls. Maybe someday we'll know uh, with Tony White. Keeping him for a second year with Syracuse, right? Knocking on that door. Just a year removed from being their defensive coordinator with that head job opening. And then being a graduate playing for UCLA in the late 90s, early 2000s. Job went to Foster. But, you know, rules all about his assistance climbing that ladder. And that's, that's great. Most coaches, they have arms around their star assistants because it is a headache, and it's an even bigger headache today in college football to retain your assistants and then keep your your roster guys that are particularly partial to the defensive coordinator or a position coach. Guys are looking for a reason to, to jump in the portal, unless you're at Nebraska where it seems like everybody wants to stay. So... It's been a, a somber hour one with 
updates and information and uh, your feedback, our feedback. Mike Babcock uh, with us as well with uh, his family in Kansas City uh, talking about the shooting that happened at the Chiefs rally after the parade. We'll wind down this first hour. Tale Varsity, we're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, this hour's Hale Varsity, we're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And can find us the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Reminder to get buckled up. Driving is a full time job. Phones, food, and friends uh, need your attention when you're not driving. Stop the distractions. Just drive a message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. And Elijah, an update here on Twitter you just sent. I'm having trouble opening it. What did you have? Uh, so this comes from PJ Green. He's a reporter for Fox Kansas City. Uh, he's been in contact with uh, Children's Mercy Hospital. They are tweeting, treating 12 patients from the Chiefs Parade. 11 of those are children, nine of whom have gunshot wounds. That's so that is that sucks. horrific, horrific news from Kansas City. Another update. And these updates are going to continue rolling in as the, the evening mm-hmm. progresses. We'll bring them to you for our local listeners here on KFOR. Uh, those updates will continue via ABC News on sure. KFOR as well. Top of the hour. Yep. Uh, Jackson checks in and he's thinking of... Uh, you know, his family on his dad's side in Kansas City, they went to the parade, they're okay, but it, it hits home even though we're not obviously in Kansas City. It hits home because of um, the the first and foremost, the sports tie, uh, and it hits home because of the uh, the sadness, the uncertainty, the the fear that, that happens with a situation like this and... Uh, you know, it's it's also kind of a uh, a commonplace. Who among us have not gone to Kansas City for a sporting event growing up? Especially if you live in Nebraska, you you zoom down I twenty nine more times than I can count for Royals and Chiefs. So uh, we'll see if there's any more updates. Uh, Moon Moonbot uh, checks in and says, "Look, stop the parades already. No reason for them these days." I don't know that you I can't agree let with the that. bad guys win. Exactly. You, you put put it better than I ever could have. Yeah. Don't want to let the bad guys win. I mean, there still needs to be joy and, and community. There's parade, the there's world. rally, right? And they've had, I mean, how many, you got a million there to hear Travis Kelsey 17 deep go off and cheer on your favorite tight end. You go there to hear Big Red Andy Reid. You go there to hear Patrick Mahomes. You go there to hear uh, other other Chiefs players you, you love if you're a, a sports fan. I mean, you, you go to show the the people that you have supported and watched appreciation for the joy they have given you. <laughs> Thanks for winning another title. Right. Thank, Simple as that. Yes. Um, I you know Moonbot Moonbot appreciate your your input. I just don't think you shut her down. I don't think you can. No, no I, I just don't think you can think so shut either. down parades. It's it's there needs to be joy in life. Can't take away joy, as you said, and let 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 bad people win, let evil people win because you're so scared of what the evil people might do. I you got to continue having joy in this life, but there's just no easy answers with where we are in this country right now to to fix things either. 
Our old boy Jaybird checks in, and his little guy that I told you about went for that first title. Uh, and uh, Jakey and, and his folks, two of my favorite people, Grandma Rita and Papa Al, uh, they were at the parade, but they're okay. So uh, thinking of those. I mean, you, you know somebody who went, likely, uh, family or friend. Baseball thoughts, some Husker football next hour. Hail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tower 2 at Tail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. As uh, we welcome in Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, O-W-H, and Evan, uh, we're going to talk a little baseball today, maybe some football. We'll mix that in. How are you doing today? Hey, doing uh, oh, doing all right. Sun's out and uh, cannot complain. Well, what do you think of this, uh, this gauntlet for Nebraska as they'll open up on Friday against Baylor, Texas Tech, and uh, then Oklahoma? It's a little reunion time with the Big 12. We'll start there. And I know, listen, great work, first and foremost, on the preview you put out with the World Herald uh, with not only the pitching but also the, uh, the infield, the returning. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun season, we think, for Nebraska, but they are not messing around out of the gate. Yeah, you know, the preview, like positionally, kind of felt more necessary than it does in some years just because of – all the turnover that there is. I mean, you're going to have three new infielders uh, that fans haven't seen in Husker uniforms before. You're talking about almost a full bullpen reset, a new look starting rotation, and you take all that and you go down to the billion-dollar home of the defending World Series champs in Arlington, Texas, and take on, uh, you know, like you said, three old Big 12 rivals that are at different points in their own uh, you know, journeys as programs. And so it, it will be, it'll be a big test out of the gate. I mean, uh, you know, it, there's always the, the, the standard cold weather challenge of, Hey, you've been shagging balls and Memorial stadium and then Hartog, and now you're going South and these games start to count. So like there is a, an urgency to really hit the ground running and, you know, they, they feel like they have a good team. You don't really know until the games get started uh, you know, Baylor only won 20 games last year. They had a coaching change a year ago, and so maybe that's a game that you want to start with to get your feet under you a little bit. And then the big one's going to be uh, Texas Tech on Saturday, number 21, and uh, you know a team that's not 
uh, a stranger to Omaha and getting here to the College World Series. And then you wrap it up with Oklahoma that was in the CWS finals just two years ago. So you're going to find out a lot about um, Nebraska. I think they'll find out a lot about themselves here just in a few days. Yeah, Evan, you talk about the, the, the necessary preview for this team because there are so many new faces. That's not just within the team. That also extends to the coaching staff as you have Mike Sirianni, a new face uh, on the, the, in the dugout, I should say, this year. You have Rob Childress, who is moving from an analyst role, essentially, to an actual on-field coaching role. Uh, whenever you, you combine that, the new faces on staff, the new faces on the roster, you think that's evidence that, that Coach Bolt is feeling the pressure a little bit of this job, knowing he needs to get some results this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can look at it that way. I think you can look at it, too, to just say, like, he's a competitive guy. And if you look at his coaching history in, in, in you know, 15, 20 years since he's left Nebraska as a player, like, he's used to making regionals. He did it as an assistant at Nebraska regularly. He did it at Texas A&M when he was an assistant there. Uh, when he was a junior college head coach, he had success as well. And so the last two years, um, you know, that, that'll that'll stick in the craw of any competitor. And I think he knew uh, at the end of last season that they just didn't have the depth of talent that they needed to be an at-large regional team. And that was reflected in the struggles in the midweek. They were a 500 team there. And while they had some of the high-end talent, you know, you're talking about four top ten rounders, they didn't have the guys um, – you know, in, in, in maybe roster spots 21 to 40 to get Nebraska where it needed to be. And so they addressed that, as you mentioned, through some coaching changes. Uh, those two coaches in particular, Childress and Sirianni, are well-known recruiters. And you can, uh, you can bet that a number of these players who are here, whether through the portal, junior college, freshmen, are here because of the presence of those two guys, or at least one of those uh, assistants. And so now you come to the portion of the season where, at least on paper, the talent's there. There's a lot of proven contributors who, who have done it at other college stops. And now it becomes development. Can, can you get more out of some of these hitters? Can some of these pitchers who uh, maybe have swing and miss stuff but didn't have uh, great command elsewhere, can they take that next step and know where the ball is going and um, you know, elevate their game and, and be high-leverage, trustworthy arms? And that's really kind of the big question for Nebraska baseball this year is uh, do they have a depth of arms or do they just not have any stars? And I think, I think it kind of depends on how you look at it at this point. But, again, like the games are coming. You're going to have – 56 games here coming up over the next few months. Uh, it's going to start with a challenge this weekend. Grand Canyon for four next weekend. I think we'll show even more what the depth of this team is and what it has. And as we know, like these first few weeks, especially in the north, are important RPI builders because you don't get those chances as much on the back end uh, in league play to have these statement wins uh, the way that you would in the SEC or the ACC. So really important early stretch for Nebraska as it always is they feel like they have something and we're about to find out Evan Bland with us a little bit of a preview with Nebraska baseball hail varsity radio Evan what's your your read in on Drew Christo uh super talented but not going to be in the starting rotation not the Friday not the Saturday not the Sunday against these uh name teams from a, a power five league well, we'll see how that goes with him as the season goes on. You know, I wonder if part of the reason he's not in the rotation this weekend 
uh, is just because he wasn't fully stretched out or his stuff wasn't where he wanted it to be. I think Will Bolt left open certainly the possibility that that could change uh, even as soon as next weekend when you have four games and you have to have somebody start that one and you're going to need midweek starters and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, Christo, like the ability has always been there, the swing and miss stuff. He uh, has obvious intangibles as a leader. He's, he's smart, good kid. Um, you know, everybody uh, from the Elkhorn area certainly is familiar with what he and his family are all about. And really the thing that's held him back at times has been the command and, and knowing where the ball's going consistently uh, pitch in and pitch out. And so I think he's a really interesting case study for the impact of Rob Childress and what uh, immediate impact that that he leaves on this staff. Um, when you look at what Childress has done elsewhere, it's been all about uh, simplifying mechanics, pitch repeatability, mastering the vanilla uh, to the point to where guys uh, can can consistently throw strikes. And I think if Christo gets to that point, and by a lot of accounts uh, he, he showed that in the fall and even in team workouts these last few weeks, then suddenly he's got the ability to be a major force and an impact arm in, in what Nebraska wants to do. So uh, I think that there's still a good chance that uh, we'll see him out of the bullpen this weekend. We'll see what that role becomes as he goes along, but certainly uh, a guy just in terms of talent and pedigree to watch and, and see as an X factor this season. Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald talking Husker baseball. and Check out his position-by-position position breakdown of this year's Husker baseball team. That's on the Omaha World Herald. And Evan, as we look ahead to this weekend in particular, who are some, some guys the Husker fans should be watching for? Maybe new faces, maybe returners. I don't really care there, but just guys that you think need to be guys that are going to have to step up this year for Husker baseball to have a good season outside of some of the names you've already listed. Well, I mean, the offense is going to be a different look. It's, they're not going to hit 97 home runs, which was a school record last year. It's going to be, uh, I think, more versatile. You're going to be relying a little bit more on small ball, manufacturing runs, stealing bases, hitting runs, things of that nature. And, you know, you look in the outfield, and there are a number of guys who have proven it over multiple seasons. I mean, Gabe Swanson is one of the top returning home run hitters in the Big Ten that was sort of overshadowed by what, Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson did last year. Garrett Anglum is fully healthy, and uh, he was hampered by a, a hamstring at times last year. I think Riley Silva, who will be a new center fielder, will be really interesting to watch. He's got high-end speed that you're going to see play uh, in the field, and you'll probably see play when he's legging out bunts and trying to steal bases and things like that. Um, and then, you know, the infield is going to be a different look as well. I mean, it, the team is really high on Josh Overbeek, who's another transfer switch hitter uh, at third base. They like uh, Caden Brumbaugh, who transferred from Oklahoma State a year ago, got hurt and didn't play last year. He's fully healthy uh, and should be up the middle there. And then, um, you know, first base, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. There's a true freshman, Case Sanderson, who has left a strong impression on the team, had a really good summer before he got to Lincoln. Uh, and then Ty Stone, who who played at uh, Iowa Western, also at first base. Big kid, power kid. So just kind of seeing how that offense comes together I think will be fascinating. The, uh, on the pitching side, to me, um, I think the bullpen might be the strength of this group. And they, they reset it in the offseason. You're going to have Casey Dice as the closer to uh, to start out of the gate. Uh, he's, he's a transfer in from the junior college level. 
Uh, Rands Sanders, who was at Omaha last year, he's a Grand Island kid uh, who, who has a track record of success. Kyle Perry's back. So, like, there are just a number of names you can kind of list defense uh, in, out of the bullpen um, that Nebraska can use to really shorten the game to where maybe they don't need their starter to go six or seven innings the way that they have some years. Maybe five innings is good enough, and you can kind of uh, hand it off to the relay team from there. So we'll see how that part shakes out. But, uh, you know, they had one of the best junior college classes in the country coming in by a lot of accounts. Um, and then you can throw in some true freshman pitchers, Tucker Timmerman, Ryan Harahill, uh, and Ty Horn, who have been really impressive uh, internally here too. So uh, lots to shake out still, but you can definitely see just in terms of upside a lot of ways that it could work. Evan, we'll squeeze one last baseball thought in before we try and get to a little football. And what do you make of Nebraska coming in where they're at in the Big Ten rankings? Well, I, you know, I put them third. I think the coaches today put them fifth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's to me it's Iowa, it's Indiana, and then you can kind of make what you want of it. You know, Rutgers, you can make a case this could be their breakthrough year. Michigan, maybe. I think Penn State will be better than what they were. But really, until further notice, based on track record and guys that are back, I, I think Iowa with its one-two punch in the rotation and then what Indiana has back offensively, those have to be your favorites going in. And Nebraska's going to see both of them, so you'll see how that shakes out. But I think the Big Ten, until it goes to a 17-team league next year, uh, probably has the look of another three-bid league this year. And, and again, I think the Hawkeyes and Hoosiers will be at the top right now. You answered the follow-up. How good will the Big Ten be this year? And uh, that's a great answer. Uh, well, <laughs> next year, baby. <laughs> next year with the West Coast schools coming in. Evan Bland with us from the World Herald, talking Husker baseball. Huskers and Baylor at 11 on Friday to get the season uh, started. With football, what did you make a, a Coach Rule's comments last night, specifically just how how much he jumps on the table for, for Tony White? I mean, you, you want that, but... That would have been devastating, Evan, to lose your defensive coordinator if it, if it got to that, if, if Tony White would have gotten an offer from UCLA. No doubt. Not ideal in mid-February to be looking for a defensive coordinator and certainly not uh, you know somebody who's been as impactful as Tony White has been. And no, I mean, you had to sweat it out. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, he was a UCLA alum. Certainly they spoke with him, and Matt Rule spoke with uh, their AD about that situation, and ultimately it didn't go that way. But it is—it's a strange spot. Like on the one hand, um, you know, if you're the head coach, like you want to stump for your guys and you want to support your guys, and a one mark of a healthy program is your assistants being recognized for what they've done and getting opportunities to advance their careers elsewhere. Um, again, on the other hand, it's a huge season coming up for Nebraska, and you want uh, your best people in place and and um, you know be ready to play complimentary football moving forward. Ultimately, I think it's it's Matt Rule doing the right thing, but I think also it sends a pretty strong message to coaches that may want to work for him in the future to say, hey, this this guy is going to advance your career. This guy is going to advocate for you. He's he's going to have your best interests in mind. Um, and, and so I think even it's sort of the best of both worlds for Nebraska now where they get Tony White for at least one more year. Uh, certainly he's going to get some head coaching opportunities sooner than later, but it also, uh, I think, puts out a pretty strong message in the coaching community that Nebraska is a good place to play because uh, you're going to be recognized for what you do and have a chance to move on. I think this news, though, this week with, with UCLA and all the rumors, I think 
is further evidence that Nebraska at the moment is just renting Tony White until he gets that head coaching <laughs> opportunity. And Evan, I want to get your thoughts as you look Up at the, the rent. As you look at the 2024 season, <laughs> it's a great idea, Schmitty, but another option is to, you know, have another apartment in mind, if you will. Do you think any other coaches it's not have, gonna be as nice, brother. But do you think any other coaches <laughs> have added responsibilities in twenty twenty four in preparation for potentially Tony White leaving next offseason? You're asking like who would who would be the who's next on the short list? Who's, yeah. who's on the short list? Yeah, I mean it's a good question. Like you can kind of go through the defensive assistance, and you know, it's I kind of like to play that game sometimes where you kind of project like what's a guy's um, ceiling or, or, or his best uh, fit. You know, I think Terrence Knighton's done a really good job as a defensive lineman. I don't know what his ambitions are, but strikes me as somebody who. Uh, you know, could grow certainly in his career and maybe take that next step. Rob Dvorak um, is somebody who has been highly acclaimed from prospects and what they do. And then obviously Evan Cooper, who um, has a reputation as a talent evaluator, rules right hand man, has been with him every step of the way. That you, you could see sort of a natural uh, evolution there if that's something that both parties wanted to do. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they would promote it from within maybe Matt Rule would go back out and and identify somebody else uh, who has sort of that 335 knowledge that uh, they valued the first time around so certainly at this point something you would think Matt Rule and that staff and that program would have in mind uh, just considering the attention Tony White's getting now and um, you know, maybe uh, you would think that they're certainly going to be prepared for that contingency when it happens Evan thanks for the time today bud we'll check in with you next week thanks guys see ya Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Hail Varsity continues. We're powered by Cornhead Logger, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. 489-1240, 489-1240. So a little bit from, from Matt Rule. Let's get to some footballs. We did basket, uh, baseball, I should say. We'll dive into a, a, a bracket uh, update, too. Where's Nebraska at as they uh, have their bye week, waiting for Penn State Saturday. But Matt Rule touched on the standard. This was his sit-down with Greg Sharp last night. And uh, the Matt Rule uh, portion of the uh, HSN uh, monthly uh, sit-down, and this was pretty good from the standard standpoint. And we've heard Coach Barnett. We've asked him about how do you kind of build a team from the ground up. He's done it with Northwestern and then uh, fixed a lot of ills at, at Colorado when, when Skippy Neuheisel was there, and he came in and had to flip it around. I know that doesn't make many of you smile that it was the, the buffs we're talking, but he has great perspective on it. Well, Rule uh, touched on just what this year too, how it's different and what some of the, the directions going. You saw videos this morning uh, with winter conditioning and, and Matt drills going on. I think it's crucial. It's, it's where you establish uh, your standards, you know, what you're going to tolerate, you know, what you're going to accept, what you're not going to tolerate. I think it's where you build brotherhood. You know, um, you and I don't have to listen to the same music. We don't have to, we don't have to like the same food, but if I look over and I see you paying a price and I'm paying the same price, then you know then i know uh, i can count on you when things get hard and so um the more you look at like research the more you look at sport the more you look at life i think you start to realize like doing things hard things is really important you know 
we have to challenge ourselves. We have to push ourselves. It's not punishment. It's an opportunity. And so guys coming in, working hard, working together, uh, recognizing that what they thought was possible, what they thought was their limit really wasn't their limit. They can go beyond that. Um, I think that's, that's what's going to make us great. We hear Coach McBride talk about guys not knowing really what hard work is or not understanding the level of work it takes or needs to get to a certain level. And I think that's fair. I mean, just the way Nebraska practices, the way they develop. I know they went 5-7 and seven last year. The fact that they had three quarterbacks ready and you were in three ball games and it didn't look pretty at all. I'm not selling you that. <laughs> but you had a chance to to find a way, right? And you have a chance to find a way with presumably better quarterback play this year, a rock star defense that's even better and more sure of themselves with a second year, and you have talent and you have that depth of talent. It can be nice. I know we talked win totals yesterday, but that all is part of the equation here. Uh, Rule also, and we heard Evan Bland talk a little bit about the, the Tony White situation. There's just... There, there's comfort in the direction, but they're not getting comfortable. They're really trying to, to be uncomfortable with how they're pushing these guys. And some of the new faces uh, bring a whole new idea, mindset, and talent level. you got to match or exceed, at least in these workouts. We'll see once uh, spring ball starts up and they get on the field. But it, it sounds it sounds a lot like... 30 years ago and I'm not predicting championships I'm just saying the way they're working sounds a lot like 30 years ago and it's it's an interesting conversation to be had because Matt Rule talks about the standard plenty mm. um in, in rising to that standard and while the standard doesn't change from year one to year two from the coaching staff's perspective you want the competition you talk about better quarterback play new faces coming in on the defense you got new faces on a lot of places on the offensive side of the ball so while their standard doesn't change, the competition required to meet that standard does change, and therefore the effort required to meet that standard does change. And the effort doesn't change, but or sorry, the standard doesn't change, but it kind of does. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if, if all that makes sense, like you have to 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 keep on raising the standard through that added competition, through that added effort. While the 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 standard that's expected on the field remains the same what is required to meet that standard is going to raise and like the, the best example i can give is you talk about the defense being more assured of themselves in year 2 second year under the system well on the flip side of things other teams are going to have film oh here's how we tried to attack this 335 last year it didn't work for us but this play and this play this play it found good success let's build a different game plan in year 2 facing this 335 defense and see what can happen so while the standard of that 335 defense doesn't change the the effort and intensity that's required from that defense on the field next fall in order to meet that standard yet again that's going to be raised and that's kind of as you, you talk about the build of this program the uh, the the upward trajectory. That's that's kind of where I come down to in terms of how big a jump can you make this year. Well, what type of added effort and added competition is going to be brought in in order to to give guys uh, a tougher path to reach that same level of standard? You know, it is Valentine's Day, and I think Mama and I are going for a drink later. That'll be fun uh, whenever she gets uh, off of work. And uh, Elijah, we kind of toyed with this. Uh, Events at the uh, Kansas City parade shifted things pretty rapidly with breaking news in the sports world. 
But it, it is Valentine's Day and uh, the, the topic of sports crush. We, we played, and not to sound like weird or, 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 or too uh, warm and fuzzy, but everybody had that moment, that play, that, that athlete that hooked you as a sports fan, as a young dude or gal, and said, man, I, I, I want to watch this team. I want to follow this team. And, I, you know, to me, I, I go back to, to Turner Gill and Mike Rogier. I mean, those were a couple of the guys – Obvious take, but it's kind of my era, five, six years old, when they're ridden and rolling and just saw a lot of fun. And, and then growing up, it was Broderick Thomas, right? Broderick Thomas, Kenny Walker. Those were my guys. Those are, those are two, uh, two guys on the defense, defensive side that really hooked me. And like, man, they're, they're a ton of fun to watch. For basketball, guys my era, even though I sucked forever at basketball, and that can be confirmed by many. Uh, it was Jordan, and, and, and I'm like everybody else, right? <laughs> uh, I'm like everybody else. Yeah, Jordan was the dude, or maybe you're a Larry Bird guy or a Magic Johnson of a certain era. Maybe you're a LeBron now. That's fine, but, you know, when you think of uh, somebody that was your sports crush slash, uh, you know, who game, team, whatever, really hooked you as a sports fan. Do you have one? What, what hooked you for Denver? Was it, was it Peyton? No, no. Well, here, for Denver— as a Broncos guy, um, and my dad can attest this if he's out there listening, um, my dad had had two different VHSs. One, so you you got you fell victim to the VHS as well. Oh, because yeah. that's how I learned about the scoring explosion. Oh, the ninety-seven Babysit- Broncos. Babysitter would put in the VHS of the eighty-four Orange Bowl. Have a swig, a Jack, and. It's not going to end well, but this was a great game. <laughs> yeah, here here's the VHS, the Broncos. 1997 uh, Super Bowl. What Super Bowl 30? Quick, some do some quick math here. Super Bowl 35, something like that. Something like that uh, against the Packers. Me and, and Roman numerals don't get along. And the VHS Broncos against the uh, the, the Falcons. In the 98 season. Uh, and one more. As much as it pains me to so say, there, there, there was one that was been Elway. There was one that was also the the chronicle of the 2004 Patriots season. That mm. I loved to watch as a little kid, and obviously, I did not grow up to to love the Patriots. I went to that game. Did you? Yeah, with, with Champ Bailey. No, 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 no. No, with, with the, the oh the the 99 yard pick six. Yeah, yeah. The 04 okay. the 04 divisional game that was Brady's first playoff loss. Yep that that game went um, with Farmus's Jeff. It was great. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those, like the old VHSs, sparked my, my love. But, like, I also think about, like, Nebraska history growing up as a Lincolnite. It's got to be Nebraska-Colorado 08. With, with Sue? With Sue returning and then in. And Alex Henry. Henry kick. That was the game that inspired my dad to, like, finally pull a trigger. We're going to get some Husker season tickets okay. next year. So that, that was the game that was like, yeah, you know what? Nebraska is something special to me. Was had to have been the 2008 Nebraska Colorado game, and, and Justin Dominican Sue, what he did over those two years, like had to love it, dude. It was it was cool. Uh, Brandon Checkson, Barry Sanders for me. He was a one man wrecking crew. Brandon, you are not wrong. Some of us sold popcorn for midget football, and sold popcorn, and sold more popcorn to win two seats to see Nebraska play Oklahoma State. I.e., Barry Sanders came to town. Awesome game, shootout, score fest is a better term today, forgive me, and 
And, yeah, Barry was the man. I followed him in Detroit. I loved watching him play in Detroit. Uh, Steve checks in with your sports crush. Steve's a big Steelers guy, loves the Reds and, and Philadelphia 76ers, the Steel Curtain, Big Red and Dr. J. Amen, man, especially Dr. J, that windmill dunk of the, the Lakers, the early 80s on tape delay, Big Red Machine, both of them, Nebraska football and uh, Johnny Bench and Pete Rose. Those are some good years, man. The 70s were incredible. Uh, Moonbot, when he talks sports crush, checks in. Bo Jackson versus Denver. <laughs> Bo knows the end zone, I think. No I know. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, uh, well-documented man on Detroit and how you became a Lions fan with Barry Sanders. That's all good. Your sports crush, keep them coming. We still have time before six. We've got a jock doc coming up, but the team or the player that made you fall in love with your favorite team and uh, you've detailed it well. And my guy, Broderick Thomas, love that dude, uh, was awesome, along with, uh, of course, Rogier. The, the triplets, Friar, Rogier, Gil, it was, it was cool. But you know what's unique for, for me? And I'm not sure if you all feel the, the what same did way. You, let me ask you about the NBA, because you're a big NBA guy. Oh, the Mellow and Iverson Nuggets years. Okay, that's... See, and they, also, they also made me hate the Lakers. And more than make me love the Nuggets, made me hate the Lakers because at the end of every single year, it's the Nuggets make it to the postseason, historic year it, for the Nuggets, and oh, here comes the Lakers in five games. Oh, no. It's fascinating that both of them coexisted on a team together. <laughs> they, both, they each needed 40 shots a quarter. Great for five-year-old Elijah to, to, <laughs> to grow up watching the Nuggets. Dad, take the over prop on shot attempts but, by AI. But I want to get your thoughts on this. I feel like some of the, the things, and it's weird to say sports crushes because I like women, not men, but like a lot of sports personalities that I grew up loving. I mean, Jay Billis, I know he's on the younger end, but then other people, the college game day crew. He would thank you for saying sports. that. I know he would. Like, like the people that, that I grew up watching on TV, Stuart Scott's another great one of, of – just like sports personalities that I grew up watching, Stephen A. Smith, like all these people with their, their passion for sports made me fall in love with sports too. So I want to make sure that the people that cover media oh, or sure. cover sports are also thrown in there because uh, I was the kid that every single morning, you better believe while I'm, while I'm eating my Wheaties, I got SportsCenter pulled up on you're TV. You're not wrong. My brother and I, brother, man, it was, it was good. It was Oberman and it was Dan Patrick. Oh, yeah. And it was those two doing tag team, SportsCenter. It was good. Ken Griffey Jr., I wasn't a Mariners fan, but I, I remember seeing his first game, the highlights. Jackson checks in. It was Levante versus Ohio State. That's when he became a Husker fan. Uh, Hale Washington continues, 489-1240. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. And Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. How you doing? We're hanging in, and uh, you know what? So much excitement, Dr. Brandon, for Husker softball. Jordy Ball, such a, a program-changing talent, 
transfers into Nebraska. And uh, some tough news per her Instagram release with an ACL injury. Let's focus on that injury, the recovery, and just from a softball standpoint, Dr. Brandon, you've seen all sorts of athletes, uh, and that includes softball. So let's dive into an ACL as a pitcher uh, when you're playing softball at the collegiate level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, just sad, sad injury and, you know, wish her well and her recovery. And, you know, obviously she's just an incredible talent. She'll get back and hopefully play extremely well. But, you know, as we look at ACLs, obviously you look at it from a different perspective in terms of, you know, what sport they're playing, even what position they're playing in that sport. Um, and as you look at, you know, an ACL and a, you know, a softball pitcher, you know, let's take somebody who maybe is not a hitter, is just going to do, you know, softball pitching, you know, probably probably a little higher kind of chance to get back to that same level than, say, somebody who has to rely upon, you know, a lot of cutting, changing direction type activities, um, even though those have a high return to play rate as well. So I do think the ceiling is still super high for her. I think she's going to have, you know, a terrific career once she gets recovered from this ACL. Dr. Brandon, you, you look at with Jordy and just her uh, effect, uh, that left knee is what we're talking about, focusing in on while she was delivering a pitch. This was back on February 8th. We didn't hear much news uh, all, all, except for the fact she kind of limped off uh, against Washington down in Puerto Vallarta. And um, let's let's get into that. And uh, you, you touched on the the fact that these injuries you can recover from, although it doesn't help in the moment here that it's season ending. When we when we look at ball and that that plant leg, um, you know, with her left leg and that knee. Let's talk stability and recovery there. How do we? How do we move forward here from a surgeon's perspective? Yeah, yep, absolutely. And so obviously we're getting, you know, deep details from the media. Hard to say, you know, exactly what all injuries she's had. I have no idea from that perspective. Uh, but, you know, just from the reports we're getting from the news, talks about an ACL injury, and don't know if she has any other injuries. But let's just say, for example, it's just ACL. Um, you know, from that perspective, Surgery-wise, you know, that first kind of discussion you have with patients is, you know, what surgery looks like, what recovery looks like. We have to make a decision about, you know, what type of graft they may want. And we've talked about here before about when you're fixing ACLs, you have to remake their ACL out of some other tissue, whether it's hamstring, quad, tendon, patella tendon, all those kind of graft choices. Um, And so that'd be kind of the first decision they'd have to make. And then, you know, once you go through that surgical process, you know, we're super aggressive on at least the rehab side. So you're talking within, you know, two days of surgery, she's going to be in therapy, moving this knee, getting all those things going in terms of firing the muscle. Um, and then that total kind of rehab, rehab process, we try to push those folks out as far as we can. If we can get them out eight months for recovery, that's, you know, even better. Um, and just in terms of the re-injury risk, that eight months is kind of a magic number. And that still gives her obviously, you know, a whole year to recover for this, which is plenty of time. When we look at Jordy's mechanics, so dominant, 44-2 and two career record. And, you know, we go back to that, that right-hand arm and uh, the, the, the left leg. Just with the mechanics, is this a situation here with the, the ACL that it's going to be 
problematic even with reco- even with repair just because of the stress on that part of the body the torque you need uh the follow through right uh, i know i the, the the plant is the right leg um as you go forward uh but but your your landing leg is that left leg uh-huh yeah, and so you know, from that perspective, I think I think she'll reach a point where that feels you know normal again to her. I don't think that's going to be a huge <laughs> kind of issue for her long term. Um, it will take some time, you know, and just kind of developing that that whole connection of you know using your hips and that kind of torque that generates that velocity you know through the hips and into the arm. It'll take a while for all those mechanics to try to come back together. You know, that will be a good, you know, kind of seven months up to a year kind of process just to regain all those mechanics. You think about, you know, as a pitcher in general, softball pitcher in particular, how you have to work all those mechanics together. So it'll take her some time, um, but I do think she'll be able to regenerate that power. Uh, I don't think that's going to be, you know, a long-term issue for her as long as she can stay, you know, kind of injury-free kind of going forward after she gets back. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Jordy Ball, our topic, and her ACL. And Dr. Brandon, as long as you've done this and studied medicine, when did you really kind of see the, the corner turn uh, just on a, on a larger scale and scope for ACL procedure and then recovery? It's, it's been kind of a, a, a ever-evolving uh, surgery. I mean, it's it's way different now than than ten, fifteen years ago, even. Yeah, Chris. It really that's a great question. It really is a, a fascinating kind of look back as I see this evolve. Um, you know, you go back to kind of when we first started doing a lot of these. Kind of that early explosive period would be somewhere between about kind of nineteen eighty six, eighty seven kind of through 92 is kind of when this, you know, big evolution kind of happened. Um, and then eventually trying to figure out how we could use different graphs and watching kind of the graph evolution change. And then as you kind of get more comfortable with the graphs, you know, seeing how hard you can test those graphs with, you know, your rehab part of it. And I would say is that evolution of those things has really changed. I would say technology's played a little bit of a role just in terms of how we attach the graft inside the knee and then the second part of that is how we rehab them in terms of how aggressive we get early on and then also there's kind of been this pendulum of we were really aggressive with these things 10 years ago in terms of them going back maybe at five or six months and then kind of discovering hey that's probably a little too soon to go back that re-injury risk went up a little bit and now watching that pendulum kind of swing back even though we're aggressive early we're still holding them out you know, till eight months to a year is kind of that magic number. Obviously, there's variability there, and some people go back early depending on their situation. But that's really kind of how that's evolved. You know, it's, it's reaching a point where I feel like and see it in the data that that return to play level percentage continues to get higher. Um, I think the thing that worries us the most is just what's that re-injury risk going to be, and that's mm-hmm. the number we're always trying to drive down. You know, what's the chance of re-injuring that knee or the graft? Dr. Brandon, real quick, about 40 seconds. How common is ACL in the softball world? You know, not. I would say it's not as common as like we see with basketball and soccer. I would say women's soccer is kind of way up there at the top. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we see so many of those. Then I would say even kind of our, our young, younger women's basketball has really kind of had an explosion in ACL injuries. But fortunately, softball tends to be a little lower. 
on the uh, ACL kind of primary tier side. And I would also say kind of re-injury risk tends to be a little bit lower in softball than some of those other sports in terms of a re-injury to the graft. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedics Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday, an update on Jordy Ball. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the time today. You bet. Sounds great, Chris. You guys take care. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, your Wednesday, it's Hale Varsity, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can download the show. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Uh, give us a follow. Tell a friend. Also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. That's uh, where you can also rewatch the show. 489-1240. Reminder about your friends uh, with the Supernovas, Omaha Supernovas in action, the 15th. And um, listen, if you haven't had a chance to get to CHI and check them out, do so. You can log on, supernovas.com, and uh, get uh, season tickets if they're still available and single match tickets. Take the friend, uh, take the family, take friends, and uh, get out there. See uh, pro volleyball that have uh, just incredible talent. And, uh, you know, what must-see volleyball, the NCAA Olympians, national champions, world-class talent, and uh, supernovas.com, where you log on. We were talking Sports Crush, that team or player that made you fall in love with sports. Or we sports le- personality. Sports personality's fine. We left off with uh, uh, Jackson talking about uh, Levante David in Ohio State. Uh, Moonbot seconding the Bo Jackson motion. Uh, Moonbot also was uh, there for the Iverson Mellow era. Uh, Brandon got into sports talk because of Mike and Mike. I can actually I can get behind that. Yeah. So it, it was Sports Center in the morning, eating my Wheaties, mm-hmm. and then on the way to school. And, and I remember distinctly, uh, my my family moved. I was going to to Maxi Elementary School mm-hmm. here in Lincoln. Shout out to the Mustangs. Um, and I had one year left, and my family decided to move all the way across town. And me going to my final year of fifth grade was like, Dad, I'm not moving to some new elementary school for one year and then r- rip it all up again and go off to, to middle school. So I was like, we're going to figure this out. I'm going to Maxi next year. And Christian, credit to my parents. They were willing to drive me all the way across town every single day. But you got to, to go to Maxi. And, and what happened was, was every single morning, we'd flip on Mike and Mike in the morning and listen to Mike and Mike on the way to school. I'd sit in the truck and be like, well, I'll, I'll get out at the end of the segment, Dad. Like, just give me a second. Like, we're going to finish this. They're making their picks for the weekend. Picture to go wrong. Like, we're going to listen to that. So Mike and Mike was big and on the way home. It was Chris Schmidt and Jason Peter in the <laughs> afternoon. And I, and I don't kid it. Like, I am old. These are two of the things I look forward to every You're single You're still day. listening. Mike and Mike in the morning. against your will. <laughs> Chris Schmidt, Jason Peter every single afternoon. That's how we made it back home. So Man, thank you. Cool. you. You're one of the inspirations for me to get into Sports Talk Radio. So I appreciate that. Check is in the mail. I'm next round is on me no, but no joke I, I walked in for my interview uh, like years ago now at this point and I hear your voice and I go oh Chris, you're Christian oh I listen to you every single day growing up where's the stogie and I should have been more prepared coming into my interview but as soon as I heard your voice I went what it brought back old memories mm-hmm. of listening to you and JP every mm-hmm. single morning so shout out to you as well wheeze for me do it now um, yeah the uh, Greg in Michigan checks in for roll call did it via email, which is a first, and I love it, Greg. Thanks so much. Brennan uh, is a big Dewan Gross guy. Uh, the night Dewan Gross saved Nebraska against Nichols State, I believe. Redwine checks in. He fell in love with Nebraska. Johnny the Jet, heck yes. Front row ringside. 
gold gloves, pimp hat, fur coat, uh, gals on both sides getting his autograph, worried I might be knived. Red wine, you paint the picture. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is good. Well, thanks. Appreciate you guys for checking in. Back tomorrow at 4, Coach Barnett with us. Uh, we'll check in with Brandon Vogel, Danny Burksiding, Hale Varsity. Talk to you at 4. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.